Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris. Joining me once again by Facebook Messenger is Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hey, hey, hey. So, you know what? We've been talking about new food trends and everything. So, I figure we're going to start out this episode just disgusting and ruining everybody's appetites as much as possible. Have you heard what Heinz is releasing? Oh, Jesus. What? This is from The Independent. Heinz is releasing a Terry's chocolate orange flavored mayonnaise. Oh, God, are you serious? I'm absolutely serious. And it is a fact. That, is, that just made my stomach turn. Now, I'm telling you, I, I knew I was going to disgust everybody right at the beginning. Chocolate, Chocolate orange, orange mayo. It says, the unlikely partner... Here, start reading the article here. Heinz and Terry's have collaborated on a product sure to divide the nation with what they are calling a, quote, world's first festive mashup you didn't know you needed. The unlikely partnership has resulted in the chocolate orange mayo, a blend of mayonnaise and chocolate orange segments, cream petisier, I'm not sure how to say it, P-A-T-I-S-S-I-E-R-E, and an extra dose of orange oil. The concoction is a, quote, smooth and delicious spread that works perfectly dolloped onto your favorite desserts or spread onto brioche, crumpets, pancakes, or croissants this festive season, the brand said in a statement. A mayonnaise? The limited edition jars can be worn in a competition running until the 13th of December. Only 200, as they say, lucky winners will get to sample the unusual condiment. I don't know if that's lucky if you win that. Uh, I'm going to look this up. I'm uh, not going to guarantee you I might have to put this on pause and go to the well, then don't look it up. But while you're looking that up, I've got another little food item here that's just what this world of obesity needs, let me tell you. This is from comicbook.com. Skittles launches candy dispensing bed. You can lay in bed and get fat eating candy. Candy dispensing bed. On Monday, Skittles unveiled the bed, the bold one-of-a-kind bed. The Simmons Sweet Sleep Bed is fully functioning Murphy bed. You know the style of bed where you can put the mattress up into a compartment not when not in use, with an also fully functioning candy dispensing machine built in. Just slide the machine open, and you've got the perfect place to sleep sweetly. According to information on the Simmons website, the bed comes with a twin-size mattress of a medium firmness level. So if you okay, want to... I looked this up. The actual jar doesn't look that half bad. It kind of looks like it's... Probably, I wouldn't say it's a mayonnaise. I would say it looks like it's probably some kind of a dip or something like that. But I can't see it have mayonnaise in it. I mean, that's just gross. But now a Skittles bed? Yep. Oh, 
my God, it is. There it is. It's a skills machine laying right beside of you in a bed. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, I guess hey. if your blood, I guess if your blood sugar drops and you're diabetic, I mean, hey, you got it right there. The only problem is it's going to be more of a kid's item, and that's just what we need is to encourage kids to stay inactive, laying in bed eating candy. Yeah, little fat bastards. Again, the, the opinions of Paul do not necessarily reflect those of the Chris cast. Always got to throw a disclaimer out there for you, Paul. Get up and move. Hashtag get up and move. Get up and move. <laughs> well, keeping in the the food theme for a little bit longer, this is on Hersheyland.com. Reese's University, home of the fighting cuppies. What? I'm reading straight from the... The Reese's or from the Hersheyland website for Reese's University. The combination of greatness. Dreams are built on perfect combinations. Talent and perseverance. Curiosity and passion. Chocolate and peanut butter. The next great combination could be Reese's University and you. Are you, are you? Are you awesome? Do you look good in orange? Does the combination of chocolate and peanut butter help you focus? If you answered yes. If you like other awesome people. If you bleed Reese's orange... Are you is for you. Okay. If you want to go to Reese's Online University, their mascot is quite awesome, though. I gotta give them that. Uh, I gotta see this. It's it's the Reese's cup for the head, and then he's kind of like got his fists up. Reese's. It's Hersheyland.com. Slash Reese's dash university slash. So go look at the fighting cuppy because he's adorable. Oh, well, actually, the mascot doesn't look that bad. But the, the website says Breakthrough Reese's Shapes Theorist proposes several new seasonal forms. Student Life Campus Peanut Butter Pool opens to rave reviews. And enrollment admissions applications now available. So if you want to. I wear the t shirt. I, I like the mascot, I, I do have to say. But I haven't, I haven't read too much about it. I don't know how acclaimed this university that might be, but. They do have an awesome mascot, regardless. They actually have t-shirts for sale with a mascot on there, Chris. Is that in the student store? Yes. They're $24.99. And it's actually the fighting cuppies that is so cute. I would totally wear that. See, I don't want the shirt, but I'd, I'd gladly buy a replica of the mascot. Like a statue or there's something. There's a hoodie there. There's no, there's no, I don't see no replica of the statue. But yeah, it's a t-shirt, it. hoodie, and a crew neck sweatshirt. And the t-shirt's the only thing that has the fighting cuppy on it, and he's just in a small circle on the top. Well, there's a, there's a back to it, too. 
He's on the back, and it's a pretty good sized picture on the back. I'm, I didn't click on any of them, so. I think I might order that tel that t-shirt. The sweat, the crew neck looks like it's just front and back or front sided. Yeah, the t-shirt's front and back. Yeah. Plus, it's orange. I like orange. Well, that's just plum cute. I will add this to my favorites. And did you have oh, any food news? Because that was it for my food news. Food news? Yeah. No, I don't think I have any food news. And then we shall move on to my next story here then, which makes me very mad at Shell Oil Company. And I will probably stop buying their product. And, and I have been an avid Shell customer for a long time now because their gas ran better in my Corolla than any other gas did. What's going on with that? Uh, this is from The Guardian. Shell to go ahead with seismic tests in whale breeding grounds after court win. Judgment Rules Company can blast sound waves and search for oil along South Africa's eastern coastline. So instead of worrying about the the whales, we're worrying about a profit. So yeah, I'm I'm not happy with Shell and probably gonna find me I might go to BP, I don't know how they're doing, I gotta research them. But I know their gas is good BP too. Don't Shell? Mm, I don't think so. I think Shell is an independent company. But or well, here's a story. It says Shell calls out of the Cambodia oil develop field development. So that's good. Yeah, but they're killing whales to search for oil, and that's not good. It's not forgivable. But something that is good from something that is bad. This is from goodnewsnetwork.org. Hundreds of solar farms built atop closed landfills are turning brown fields into green fields. This to me is an awesome idea. There's not really a lot you can do with a landfill. And when you get it full... That's it. You can't keep yeah. adding to it. So, putting solar panels over top of all that garbage is a brilliant way to make use of that space and be better for the environment. You ever driven by a landfill that's been closed down and they moved on to another one? No. Um, there's one over right outside of Maiden, in between Maiden and Highway 16. Um, it's really spooky to drive by at night. What they do is they have those really thick rubber. Have you ever seen one how it's formed? I don't know that I've ever been to a landfill. I've I've been to dumps, okay, but landfill, I've never been to a landfill. A landfill is a gigantic. 
acres and acres and acres. And it has this really thick rubber lined, lined in it. And inside of it, they put all the garbage and everything inside of it. And then they take another rubber thing and over, go over the top of it and then cover it up with soil on top of that. And then they put these drainage pipes for the methane and all the gases to escape as it's decomposing and, and all that. So there's these pipes throughout the whole landfill where at night when you're driving by it, the heat is so extreme coming out of those pipes from it decomposing. Blue flames are coming out all over that field because it looks like something out of Harry Potter. And those blue flames are wicked looking when you're driving by there. It's this weird looking glow coming off the land as you're driving by. Um, if you think about it, Google it and drop by it one night. If you're going home from Charlotte or what have you, drop by it and look at it. It's just really wild looking. Yeah. The, the really significant part of this article that I see is that it says the U.S. could increase the nation's solar energy capacity by 63 gigawatts or approximately 60% simply by building solar farms on landfills. I don't know how I feel about that, because that's really unstable. It's solar panels. There's... I know, but what I'm saying is weight going on top of that with all that methane gas up underneath you. I wish they'd do something with the gas that's coming out of Well, they've got a picture, and they're built up. It's not laying right on the land. It's their Solar panels are still up over it. Yeah. So it's just like a regular solar farm where the panels aren't on the ground, they're up in the air, but I look at it as a huge plus. Oh, it's a huge plus. Yeah, definitely. And also on that note from AP News, this is something I actually hadn't even thought of, but California pushes composting to lower food waste emissions. Basically, they are trying to get food products recycled instead of thrown in the garbage. I saw a story about that today. And I, I didn't... Like, how are they going to do that? I didn't even realize the food was causing such a huge methane emission. I never even thought about it. But the article reads, Banana peels, chicken bones, and leftover veggies won't have a place in California trash cans under the nation's largest mandatory residential food waste recycling program that's set to take effect in January. The effort is designed to keep landfills in the most populous U.S. state clear of food waste that damages the atmosphere as it decays. When food scraps and other organic materials break down, they emit methane, a greenhouse gas more potent and damaging in the short term than carbon emissions from fossil fuels. To avoid those emissions, California plans to start converting residents' food, into food waste into compost or energy, becoming the second state in the U.S. to do so after Vermont launched a similar program last year. Most people in California will be required to toss excess food into green waste bins rather than the trash. Municipalities will, turn, will then turn the food waste into compost or use it to create biogas or biogas, I'm not sure exactly, an energy source that is similar to natural gas. This is the biggest change to trash since recycling started in the 1980s, said Rachel Wagner, director of the California Department of Resources, Recycling, and Recovery. 
She added that it is the single easiest and fastest thing that every single person can do to affect climate change. So, hopefully it's a well, success like and catches that, on. That actually harkens, that actually harkens back to what I was just talking about, all that blue methane gas coming yeah. out of the landfill. That's what I said. I wish they'd do something with that gas coming out. Well, there you go. Uh, California's doing something with yeah. it. California and Vermont both doing something. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, hopefully... Because I was... Yeah, go ahead. Hopefully it'll actually be a success and run the nation very quickly instead of... Because you know, we all know certain states are going to be holdouts on it because their politicians don't believe it's true, but the states that are forward-thinking and listen to actual scientists, it'll make a major difference. And speaking of politicians, I told Lamar earlier tonight, Joe Biden should use the summer of 69 as his new campaign song. Do you know why? Did he even say he's going to continue to run in 2024? No, but summer of 69 will fill in very well for the announcement that came out today. What's that? U.S. jobless claims are at their lowest level since September oh, yeah. of 1969. Yeah, I saw that. So, and he tweeted out the other day a, a graph that had job growth under presidents from Clinton to him. W was the only one who lost jobs while in office. But he's the only one who's gotten nearly 6 million jobs added. And that was in 11 months. Not even 11 months, because he didn't take office until the end of January. So... Yeah. That would be about 10 months that he got almost 6 million jobs added on in the workforce in this country. So, oh, but you know, Trump supporters don't look at that. No. Well, they're looking at inflation. They're looking at how much they're paying at the gas pumps. They're looking at how they're not seeing, you know, their favorite ketchup on the. And on the you, you mentioned a the key racks. word there inflation. Because remember the last president we had talking about how great inflation was? Am I the only one who remembers that? Explain. I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was bragging about inflation. And I'm like, inflation's not a good thing because it drives everything up. Wages are staying the same while prices are going up. If it's just me, let me go ahead and speak a little bit frankly here. And by all means, this is from my experience. Um, I'm in I'm in an industry where people orders furniture and goods. And this all starts back to where Trump started the tariff war with China. We had a couch. We have um, power reclining couches, which you're very familiar with. You've been in my show before. And they have powered headrest, power lumbar, and power recline. Well, those electronic motors 
are not made in the United States. Those are made overseas. A lot of them are made in Germany. A lot of them are made in China. A lot of them are made in Korea. Different places, you know, where the high-tech companies are. Those where those motors were made at. Well, when he placed tariffs on those electronics and also on the imports themselves, well, it made our American goods go up. We had a couch that we sold every day in our showroom, a leather reclining couch for $2,300, and it even had power, it even had lumbar and massage in it. That same couch in my showroom today, because of all the tariffs that he kept going up on, kept going up, kept going on, kept going on, is now $3,300. It has went up over $1,000 because of his tariffs. And... Speaking of the tariffs, that's part of the problem with the shipping cargo. Those boats that are sitting out there, and a the, lot of it is due that, to that's the tariffs. Right, because they outsource those parts. Now, that same electronic reclining couch that's made in the United States is waiting for all those foreign parts to come in to be made. So some of those companies are quoting six months to make a couch. Some of them are quoting... Right now, I'll go ahead and tell you, Lazy Boy is taking a year and four months to make a couch. Because the couches are made from foreign and domestic parts together. It's a world economy, and I keep telling people that. It's not a United States economy. It's not the United States. It's a world economy. We all depend on everybody around this world. And the thing that I always want to point out to people is, yeah, buying American is great, but... Do you think that the other countries don't deserve to sell their products as well? Well, and I point out people that, that the hypocrisy. And again, when I said the Made in America, as they pulled out their iPhone. And I pulled out to them really quickly. You think an iPhone's made in Los Angeles where the home office is? No, that's made in China. Well, any, the, any Apple, the reason why Apple keeps, keeps their manufacturing facility in China is because they actually pay labored, labor, skilled labor forces to build their phones. They could easily automate a lot of that and bring it over here to the United States and automate it. But over in China, they would lose millions of jobs because of Apple shutting down its facilities over there. That's the reason why Apple keeps it open in China is to give them industry to work in and give them decent wages. Well, and that's why Apple does Another that. thing, too, with all these products that are not American-made is it's cheaper to make them somewhere else. It is less expensive. The, if they brought that, like I said, they could Apple could automate this and bring it to the United States and probably keep the iPhone at the same price, but the pricing will go up because, well, hello, it's made in the United States. Now, like, like I've got nightstands that are made overseas and I've got nightstands made in the United States. I have, believe it or not, I have a nightstand that's made in Bassett, Virginia by Bassett. That sucker costs $1,100 for one nightstand. I have another company that makes a nightstand very similar to it that we sell and it's for $689. Which price are you going to buy it for? You can buy the $1,100 one, it looks like it. Well, the six hundred eighty-nine dollar one it looks just like it made out of solid wood, which is important. Oh, and so, that's, that's the other thing is people always want the cheaper thing, but then they claim they want American-made, and stuff made in the United States is always going to be more expensive 
because we have labor laws here that require being paid a fair wage, which currently the minimum wage is nowhere close to a fair wage, but... Well, a lot of companies has went beyond that, like, like now... Uh, Walmart has raised her um, wages to $15 an hour. I still think that's low for Walmart. They're still worth billions of dollars. They could easily pay their, their employees 18 to $19 an hour. They well, easily could. CEOs making billions of dollars a year could take a pay cut and pay all of that. They could. They could. But that's where the problem comes in. And there are businesses where... The CEOs and owners and such have taken a huge pay cut to spread it through the rest of the help there. Those that That's need it the most. because they're decent. It's because they're doing something decent for the employees and like a lot of them are doing. And that's the issue is they've got to stop being so greedy. And that's why things that are made in America are so expensive is because we're all greedy. So, it's all about me, me, me. I, I, I. Yeah. What can I get? How much more can I make? And again, these are these are the same people that come in with the Michael Kors handbags. Michael Kors handbags are not made in the United States. Those are made overseas. Uh, it just it's hypocrisy. I can just keep going on and on and on with it. Well, the vast majority of tennis shoes. Yeah. The vast majority of any shoes. Yeah. But. The rest I've got is entertainment. Did you have anything more that you wanted to add? Um, I did screenshot some news here. Uh, let's see here if I can find it. Uh, it might go along with what we're talking about. Um, let's see here. Uh, you keep talking and I'm all trying to find well, it. Kind of. Oh. Here it is. Um, this is entertainment. Are we going to talk about entertainment? Yet? That's what I'm going on to, so. Okay, you go ahead now. I'll talk about this then. Well, the, the first two things, I don't have articles pulled up because they happened today and I didn't actually add them to my computer here. But one of them, both court trials, verdicts were handed down today, both was it Josh Dugan? Is that the one yeah. that was on trial? He was found guilty, and Jussie Smollett was found guilty. So, Josh Dugan on, was it child sex charges? Or part child pornography? This is child, child pornography, possession of child pornography. And then Jussie Smollett, of course, faking a homophobic racial a, attack. A hate crime, yeah. Um, what got me is they overturned, um, uh, also, and also, um, did you see where, what you call him's, uh, yeah, they overturned his, uh, conviction and turned it into a life sentence. Who? For Josh Dugar. Uh, I didn't read it, I just saw that he was, was found guilty. Yeah, he was the one that had, uh, now, oh, no, 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 no. What it was, there was also somebody's uh, conviction. Remember back in 2002, the guy who killed his pregnant wife and the unborn baby? Um, what's his name? 
they overturned his conviction and turned it into a life sentence. Um, oh, God, let me look at that. Let me pull up the news articles. Well, the, uh, the Charlotte News today was talking about a, a case where the judge has rescinded the charges. It was a son who killed his father was in jail and they released him today. Released him from jail on what condition? They they released him. Oh really? Yep. No conditions that I understand. Well okay. Well, I'm sorry, but he did kill his father, so there are consequences to that. Oh. Yeah. They reversed his um, sentence and then turned it over today for uh, now he's got a life sentence in jail for killing his pregnant wife and the baby, this unborn baby. They gave him a life sentence now without parole. Well, don't have anything sympathy and for that was from That was from 2002. That had been 15 years ago. Lacey Peterson, I remember that. So, um, okay, let's, uh, are, did you want to talk any more about those other cases? Not really. I mean, Jesse Smollett, he lost all respect by faking that because, one, he hurt LGBT relations with the vast majority of the world, and he hurt race relations, and he lied about the whole thing, and all he's going to get really is probation and a slap on the wrist. Oh, so that's why he got... Yeah. Well, that, well I understand it, that they, so they did lay down the verdict and they gave him his sentence. I don't know if they've actually done the sentencing yet. They did I, lay, I was give the verdict. waiting for them to give the sentence yet because I haven't heard them do that yet. But on ABC News tonight, they were saying that it's most likely because he has no criminal history that he will serve no time and it'll be probation. I mean, I can I can see that happening. I mean, he's I mean, I he hasn't. I think he should anything. be forced to pay every cent that was used for the investigation. Oh, if I he's agree. not going to jail, he needs to pay back every single penny that they spent investigating this crime. Has he worked any since this has happened? Probably not. And that's on I him. Don't know. Did he work? I mean, did did he have like money saved up? I wonder. I don't know. That's all on him. I have no sympathy for him because of what he did. Well, have you noticed that Chris Pratt has been kind of out of the limelight here lately? I know he was trending the other day, but I didn't care why because I know he has a past, and then he's all of a sudden he's just super religious, and I I'm just not a big fan of the guy. Well, while I was on Twitter, I noticed Chris Pratt was trending. And I thought, hmm, I want to check this out. Click, clicked on that. Well, he's unvaccinated. He hasn't had any kind of acting job since the last Jurassic Park film, which has yet to come out. Um, so they, I don't know when that last Jurassic Park film is going to come out. Um, so Chris Pratt is to voice the new Grinch in the new animated special for ABC in 2022. 
Pratt to voice iconic Dr. Seuss character for 2022 animated Christmas special. So he's went to voice characters, voice acting. Yeah. He's not around anybody when he does, so... Nope. And he's receiving a lot of hate. Uh, I've, I've been anti-Chris Pratt for quite a while. And people have disagreed with me, but I'm like, I see through him. I see what he is. And... I mean... I like him as an actor. He's okay. Um, and this one's, this next one's going to get you. Guess who I he's signed up for, too? Chris Pat will be voicing the new Garfield in the new animated film coming up, says reports. Yeah, I saw that. And so I won't be watching Garfield, probably, because... I mean, Bill Murray as Garfield was good. <coughs> but Chris Pratt, I just don't see him being a good voice for Garfield. And guess what else he's going to be voice acting for? What? We're spending way too much time on him. The new Mario film. He's going to be Mario <laughs> That's in the right. Mario film. Completely not Italian. I'm waiting for the Italians to get all up in arms over that. <laughs> yep, he's going to be Mario. But I will say... Pratt, if, here, this is on... I took a screenshot from Twitter. It said, Reminder, Chris Pratt is taking voice acting roles because he can't... He can't get a job in live action movies without getting vaccinated. But... And he's also... He's joined the, into the Spider-Verse 2 cast as Miles Morales. No. He is going to be voicing his... Right there it is. There's, there's no way. Miles Morales is already... They've already got him. And it says Chris Pratt joins to cast the Spider Verse two as Miles Morales. I don't know about that. I think that's what. What's the site? It was just people tweeting about him. They might have been just like pranking on him, like you know, like you know, like going, "Well, he's doing this. He's doing that. He's doing this." You know, like kind of spreading fake news, hate news about him. But here he is. The Chaser. Uh, I don't know that site. <coughs> Chris Pratton talks with Sony to take over as the voice of Peter Parker from Reddit.com. But I'm not seeing any legitimate site for him even being in it because Reddit's not the most legitimate. Never heard of the Chaser before. We'll just have to. So I guess Ling, I guess we'll just have to see what happens. So like I said, take that one with a grain of salt because I don't know that it's legit. But moving on from Chris Pratt because I'm dying. I'm tired of talking about him. We've devoted way too much time to him. Did you see? He's not Tom Petty anymore. No. Um, he's now... I might have another story. Go Keep going. I might, I'll have to look for it. He's now Dr. Tom Petty. As he's getting a posthumous PhD in music from the University of Florida. Really? That, the article is from Rolling Stone. And... 
says Tom Petty will receive a posthumous doctoral degree in music from the University of Florida after the school's board of trustees voted unanimously to honor the late Rocker Friday. Um, let me know if you want to talk about some political stuff. Oh, might as well, because we've already talked about it, because all I've got is entertainment now, so that's why I was trying to get you earlier. Well, Matt Getz, has, made a, has put out a statement. Did you see it? Uh, I try not to. Matt Getz has put out a statement that if the GOP wins the House in 2022, <sighs> go ahead, he will move to install Donald Trump as Speaker of the House, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Paul Gosar, and they will be running the House. How can he install Donald Trump? That, without being elected. I don't know. But you know those shitty-ass Republicans will find some kind of shady shit to get him back in there and for him to be... They will find something somehow, some way. Well, it's it's also like the, the people who try to say, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. <laughs> we are a democracy. We vote for our leaders here. And that's why we are on the decline as a democracy in the world. One of the fastest declines in the world for democracies. Did you also see where Marjorie Taylor Greene had a hot mic on her and she started talking smack about one of her Muslim colleagues there? Well, I saw the whole thing about, um, a, was, uh, um, what's her name? I know it's not AOC, it's the other one. Olan something. I can't think of her name right offhand. I know she supposedly had a closed-door meeting with AOC that went really poorly. Surprise. Yeah. But, but back to the music. Did you see who's going back on tour next year? Madonna? No. Cher? No. Hold on, let me guess. You'll never oh, guess, so you might as well give up now. No, 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 Shh. Britney Spears. No. Is she popular like that? He. Is she that popular? He. Oh, I thought she said she. I said, guess who's going on door next year? I never said a gender. Oh, it's the he. Older generation or younger? Multi. Uh, uh, Rod Stewart. No. Weird Al, the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent, ill-advised vanity tour has been announced. Oh, shit. Weird Al is great live. I have seen him. When I saw him, he performed one of his love songs from the lap of someone in the front row. And he finished the show with fat in the fat suit. He said he sang I'm Fat. Yes, in the fat suit, live, on stage. Let's see how much he's worth. I'm sure he's worth quite a bit. I mean, been around since the 80s. Had a movie that didn't do well at the box office, but has done well on home video. And has since become a cult favorite. Just take a guess. It says, back catalog of 14 studio albums. I'm going to guess about... Uh, 
300 million. Not as million. high as you probably think. 300 million. No, nowhere near that. What? 20 million. That's surprising. I would have thought he would be a lot higher than that. 20 million years old. Uh, he's 61 years old. Um, 20 million yeah. years old? He's old. Oh, yeah, 20 million. He's 61 years old and he's worth 20 million dollars. So, that's, I mean, to be satire music, I mean, it's really not that bad to be satire music. I mean. But he is a genius. He was class valedictorian. He was class valedictorian. He's legitimately extremely smart. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm just saying his music, anybody can rewrite lyrics to music and turn it into comedy. Not anybody. It, that takes a talent. I do it all the time. What he, I do it to songs what he comes time. up with takes a talent. I'm not saying he's not smart. I'm just saying, uh, do we really need a tour from him? Yes, we do. Because he's fantastic. Okay. Well, you, when you go, you let me know how it is. Oh. He don't look that good. I think he's aged very well. And you remember me talking about Why the Last Man? Didn't we watch the first episode? What was that again? Why the Last Man? Didn't we watch the first episode and review it? I don't don't remember that. Where all the men died but one? I don't remember that. Well, anyways, there was an episode where they were having this candlelight vigil and... One of the ladies that lived said, R.I.P. Weird Al. See, he's he's still culturally relevant. Ah, he's okay. I mean, I've seen his videos. It's it's okay. I mean, um, would I go out and buy them? No. Would I go out and buy his music? No. Would I go see him in concert? No. I mean, he's he's tolerable. UHF was hilarious. The Weird Al show was very good. His music is amazing. And like I said, it takes a real talent to come up with the lyrics he comes up with to any song. He gets permission to do them. He will not do it if he doesn't have permission. Don't try to sell me on any of this because it ain't going to work. Sorry. My, my, this year, Anakin guy. Just like you, just like you, it's not my cup of tea. So. Maybe Vader someday later, but for now, he's a small fry. Mm, it's okay. It's good stuff. But okay, whatever you say. Moving on, did you see Ryan Reynolds announced a new streaming service? No. It's Mint Mobile Plus Unoriginals. Actually, you talk about his cell, his cell phone company. It's a streaming service from Mint Mobile. Mint yeah, Mobile Plus Unoriginals. I'm sorry, he he introduced a new mobile company. It is a streaming service. You know how okay. much you can watch on there. What? His one film, Foolproof. That's it. And this is an article from this is an article from thenextweb.com. Once you load up Mint Mobile Plus, you're treated to a cadre of options, including original originals, kind of originals, and unoriginal originals. They're all foolproof. 
as is every item in the top 10 in the U.S. carousel. So every title on there in every heading is foolproof with Ryan Reynolds. And it was a good movie, I will say that. But I, I searched for it today on the Roku and it's not available. So I don't know where you can get this service. But I just wonder where Mint Mobile's at. Is that kind of like a Walmart type stuff? I don't know. He's you know, Ryan Reynolds is Canadian, so it could be a Canadian service. The skimming through this article, I'm not seeing anything. But it's the first streaming service that only offers one movie in all these different categories. So, Ryan Reynolds keeping with his sarcastic self. And, as well as streaming services, Paramount Plus made a new announcement. They are going to add 18 live stream channels. The list is 24-7 laughs, adult animation, all-day drama, animation favorites, black voices, crime and justice, which looks like it's going to be scripted programming, not real or reality shows, history and undiscovered, kids and family fun, nostalgic hits, Paw Patrol, Preschool Corner, Reality TV Competition, Reality TV Shores, Spongebob Universe, Star Trek, Survivor, The Challenge, and TV Classics. And they list for TV Classics, I Love Lucy, The Love Boat, and The Twilight Zone. Now, the thing that's significant about this is now that Paramount Plus has added that, I'm wondering if HBO Max will add a live stream to theirs. Because you know they've got the two tiers, with ads for a lower price or without ads for about $15 a month. And for me personally, I would be fine if they added live stream channels with ads regardless of what tier you're on. Because you can still watch the content without ads through the service if you pay for it. Anytime you want. But this is just put it on, let it play, don't have to worry about finding something. Because HBO Max has genres that are perfect for live streams that they could fill. Like, they've got the DC Comics Hub. They've got the Scooby-Doo Hub. They have Hanna-Barbera. They have dramas. They have sitcoms. They have all the movies. I mean, they could do the Turner Classic movies on HBO Max and be different from the Turner Classic movies on cable and satellite. So there's a lot of potential that they have to do live stream networks on there. And I would love to see it. Because, you know, Paramount Plus is doing it. Peacock already has it. Pluto TV has it. Roku Channel has it. You need somebody that has something different to offer in that same run. 
and nobody has anything for a superhero 24-7 channel. And that's one I can't figure out. Because especially Peacock, Peacock being owned by Universal, they've got the Incredible Hulk TV show, they've got the Six Million Dollar Man show, the Bionic Woman, Heroes. Peacock has Xena and Hercules on there, I believe. They run Greatest American Hero on there. So they have programming well, that can well, fit that category. Do what? Look at all the stuff that Disney owns. Well, they don't have a live stream on theirs yet. No, they don't, but they offer a lot of, you know, So. every but, Marvel show available. Well, when you look at what Disney owns as far as Marvel, the movies actually fill more time than the TV shows. Because Disney Plus obviously will never run the Netflix Marvel TV series. Whether they acquire the rights to them or not, they're not going to fit in on Netflix or on Disney Plus. And so that takes out a huge chunk of their time. So that leaves basically Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to build from. Because there's over 100 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but like Agent Carter had 18, Loki had what? Six. I think WandaVision had nine. Hawkeye has six. So it's not a lot of episodes to build on. And then, of course, Incredible Hulk is a universal television show. The Amazing Spider-Man from the 70s is... I don't know who owns the rights to it now, but it's nowhere to be seen outside of VHS transfers on YouTube. So... But... I was thinking about that. Seems like Disney owning that would own that. You know? I don't know. You would think they'd acquire the rights and put it on. Because it's it's like I said about Meet Next. It was a show that Fox sued Marvel over because they had it in the contract that Marvel would not create anything new live action with the mutants. So Marvel did an original Mutant series with Mutant X. And my thought was, Fox can only win here. Because either people will watch Mutant X, like it, and want to see the actual X-Men on the screen, or people will watch Mutant X, hate it, and want to see the real X-Men on the screen. So, I was like, I don't see how it can hurt their sales any. I can't, I can't remember. Is X-Men DC? Is that That's Marvel? Marvel. X-Men is Marvel. Oh, is that? Yes. Okay, I can't remember. But as far as the streaming goes, Netflix has announced a movie that I just don't know if it's movie potential. The story is fantastic, but a movie about it, I just don't know. It's the Thanksgiving text movie. It's based on... The story where either she texted the wrong person or he texted the wrong person. I think she did. And they ended up meeting and having Thanksgiving dinner after the wrong text was sent. And went on to make it a holiday tradition. Every year they've gotten together for Thanksgiving. Like I said, uh, it kind of sounds hokey. It's a great story. 
I don't know if it fills a movie. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking of being. I don't, I don't see that being good movie material. Yeah. Sounds like a chick flick. We've only got about eight minutes till we're out of time. So, moving on. Anne Rice's Mayfair Witches has gotten the green light at AMC. So, looking forward to that. Um. Big news from the MCU this week. I don't know if you saw it, but Kevin Feige has confirmed Daredevil is coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and will still be played by Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil on the series on Netflix. Oh, okay, good. DC has announced an animated movie for the Metal Men, and the producers of it are producers for Disney for The Little Mermaid and Aladdin. So, if they bring the quality and success that Little Mermaid and Aladdin got to DC, Metal Men could be a huge hit. Yeah. And speaking of animation, The Boys... We'll be getting a spin-off series called Diabolical on Amazon Prime. I believe it's eight episodes, if I can find it here. I'm not seeing it. I, I think I read that it was eight episodes were coming for it. So... It, it's been announced. I don't think they have a release date yet either will premiere on the streamer in 2022. And more animated news. Of course, we mentioned it earlier, but they actually released the trailer this week for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. So we know we are guaranteed two more Spider-Verse animated films. And... After that first one, I'm all for it because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was a fantastic film. It's one of the best Spider-Man films ever made. So I'm very much looking forward to it. Also, Marvel has made an announcement today. They teased the announcement more likely. is They posted the British Union Jack Shield... And announced that tomorrow, Friday, December 10th, questions will likely be answered on Captain Carter. So, will it be a live-action series? Will it be animated? Is it just more of the What If series? We'll, we'll have to find out. But tomorrow is the announcement for Captain Carter. On the DC front, I've got two more stories. The... Justice League was the most discussed film, according to Twitter, this year. Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, yeah. big deal for HBO Max there. And, just before we went on the air, there is no real information outside of She Will Fight to Unite the Warriors of Two Worlds. You are Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman 
video game is finally coming. So, Wonder Woman is finally getting her due as far as a video game. Now, if we can just get that animated series, it'll be fantastic. And that brings us to the very sad portion again this week. First up, huge announcement that broke the hearts of so many fans. George Perez has announced his stage 3 pancreatic cancer inoperable about a year left. Oh, I didn't hear about the timing. Yeah, and this is a major, major blow. If I know we talked about Crisis on Infinite Earths because I was a huge fan of the actual event that they did on CW and they did it so well and George Perez actually appeared in the Crisis on Infinite Earths episodes. He was in the scene where Supergirl and The Flash are on the same Earth and realize it for the first time that their Earths have become one. And then after all this with George Perez came out this week, they have shown, they have had people pick, posting pictures of him from comic conventions. And there's one where he's holding Supergirl in his arms from the cover of Crisis on Infinite Earths that he did where Superman is holding Supergirl's dead body. The best one I saw, though, was George Perez was in the arms of Superman at the convention. It just, as soon as I saw it, it's like so much joy came into me because, I mean, if you get the chance, see if you can find that photo because it shows that George Perez is such a wonderful person at heart. And what he has done on conventions to give fans back some of the joy he gave them is, I mean, it just says a lot for the man. And for him to be willing to do that, I don't know of many that would. So, I'm really hoping for a miracle, but this is very, very gloomy news indeed. I will say, you know, that's the one that um, has claimed so many artists' lives. Uh, there's Patrick Swayze and... Uh, I forget who else, but Patrick Swayze comes to mind as he's the one. He actually continued working. Patrick Swayze ended up kind of continued working until the day he died. Uh, he was only out a week of work, and then he passed away. Yeah. And George Perez is not just DC. I mean, he's very instrumental with Crisis on Infinite Earths. He's very instrumental with the Teen Titans, but he's also worked for Marvel along the lines as well. So, anyone that cares about comics will be devastated by this news, I believe. And I know I am, and I just, I mean, it's sitting here talking about him, I'm tearing up a little bit, and I don't even know him. Like, yeah. before this past year, well, past couple of years, because he was on um, DC Daily, on the DC Universe several times, 
And that's where I first started to get to know him. Well, I knew the name, but I didn't know him. And yeah. learning more and more about him, I wish I knew more about him all along. But definitely hope for a miracle for him because he's definitely going to need it. And that brings us to those that we've lost this week. First up, the NBC News reports, Grand Ole Opry country singer Stonewall Jackson dies at 89. And I was not real familiar with him. It says, country musician Stonewall Jackson, who sang on the Grand Ole Opry for more than 50 years and had number one hits with Waterloo and others, died Saturday after a long battle with vascular dementia. He was 89. So, it says in 1971 he recorded his version of Lobo's Me and You and a Dog Named Boo, and that song I definitely remember. I don't remember. I don't Me know which one. You and a one. Dog Named Boo. Oh my yeah. God, I remember that. I don't know if it's Lobo's that I remember. Probably Lobo's. But I didn't know the artist. I just know the song. It says Waterloo was a hit on the country pop charts in 1959. His other hits, mostly in the 1960s, included Don't Be Angry, BJ the DJ, Why I'm Walking, A Wound Time Can't Erase, and I Washed My Hands in Muddy Water. I wonder if that's, that has not gotten to do anything with Abba's Waterloo, does it? Probably not. Next up is one that you're going to be saddened by, I believe. This is from Variety. Martha De Laurentiis, Hannibal and Red Dragon producer, dies at 67. Wow. Died on Saturday following a long battle with cancer. She was 67. Those are some good movies. You've seen them? I've, Hannibal. I don't know if I've and seen them. those... I've seen the TV series. I've seen Silence of the Lambs. And I, what was the other Hannibal Rising? I might have seen Hannibal, but I, I don't remember it. Oh, but it was Hannibal the NBC was the series. Hannibal was the one that was filmed at the Biltmore Estate. This is, it says, News of De Laurenti's death was shared on Instagram by television writer and producer Brian Fuller. Fuller developed and executive produced the NBC series Hannibal, an adaptation of Thomas Harris's novels, which featured Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Hannibal Lecter. De Laurentiis was an executive producer on the series. So I did watch that, that she did. And I, I still yeah. want to get to the other Hannibal movies, I just haven't... You would remember Hannibal because it was filmed in the Biltmore. You would know that one. She was a producer on several adaptations of Thomas Harris novels, including Hannibal, Red Dragon, and Hannibal Rising and served as an executive producer on the critically acclaimed NBC series Hannibal, which ran from 2013 to 2015. Other notable credits from across De Laurentiis' decade-spanning career, including Raw Deal, Silver Bullet, King Kong Lives, Breakdown, U571, and Arctic. Silver Most, Bullet? Silver Bullet. Love that movie. And if I'm not mistaken, U571, was that the... the Submarine World War Two movie that John Bon Jovi was in briefly. Matthew McConaughey. I'm thinking that's that one. 
said most recently she is credited as an, as an executive producer on director Keith Thomas's new adaptation of Firestarter, set to release in 2022. Another one that we lost this week was Black Jack Lanza. I believe he was the father of Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who became one of the Black Jacks with Barry Windham. But Black Jack Lanza was the partner of Black Jack Mulligan as the Black Jacks, which is why I'm thinking that Justin oh, Hawk Bradshaw is his son. Yeah, Blackjack Mulligan passed, I think, last year. It's not been real long ago. This article, I'm not seeing anything about his son. So, there's a lot of tweets from wrestlers and Vince McMahon and such, but... I believe he was 86, yeah, passed away at the age of 86. And another one, an actual real-life hero, this is from ABC News, Edward Shames, last Band of Brothers officer, dies at 99. And if you have not seen... The miniseries Band of Brothers from HBO. It is on HBO Max, and I highly recommend watching it. I will warn you the part where they liberate the concentration camp, it made me ball watching it. Like it was a really hard watch in that scene. But the story that it tells, the truth of it. And the fact that it's based on the actual men who served in World War II, it's very much worth watching. Is so, anything like Shandor's List? It's a lot more graphic. Is it? Yes, there's a lot more war in this than there was in Schindler's List. And it's been a long time since I've seen Schindler's List, but I, yeah. I will say... Definitely watch Band of Brothers. The Pacific was done from the same people, and it was good, but it was nowhere near as good as what Band of Brothers was. So, if you get the chance, definitely check out Band of Brothers. But it says that Edward Shames passed away peacefully at his home on Friday. Well, good for him. So, glad that he. I hope he didn't suffer. Well, it says like peacefully, so... Well, good. Uh, to me, it's no no suffering. And 99 is a good long life, and... He helped... Uh, he helped defeat the enemy in World War II, so... And... Had we not won... Just imagine the horror show we would be in today. So... It'll be... Very Trumpy in the bed. Well, it would be worse than that. 
I mean, people killed for just being different than what the regime says you should be. Yeah. And finally, the one that affected me the absolute most this week, the Big Ragu, Carmine Ragusa from Laverne and Shirley, played by Eddie Mecca, has passed away. He was 69. Says his November 27th death was announced on Facebook by longtime friend Pat Benty, who did not disclose the cause of death, but noted that Mecca, quote, passed away peacefully. So, that is three of the major, major players of Laverne and Shirley now gone. We've lost Penny Marshall, we've lost David Ellander, and we've lost Eddie Mecca. And of course, Frank DeFazio and... Mrs. Babish have also passed away, but they were older on the series, too. Um, did you see where, um, what's the, what's the actor's name that plays, um, Fonzie, Fonzabella? Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler's putting up in the Fonzie jacket for auction from Happy Days. And he's also uh, auctioning off the motorcycle from Happy Days. Yeah, I knew it was several things from Happy Days that he was auctioning off. But but if you you get the chance, I looked for it because I was going to have you watch it as a tribute to him, and it wasn't on there. Pluto TV has a Laverne and Shirley... Well, they have a Happy Days channel that shows Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, and Mork and Mindy... And I don't know if they show any of the other shows related or not, but I was looking for the Christmas episode. It's another one that I love to watch every year. There's two Christmas episodes they did, and the best one is, I think it's, the actual title is Oh, Hear the Angel Voices, but it was also known as Christmas at the Booby Hatch. And in that one, they have... Carmine Ragusa comes to everybody and asks if they will perform for the hospital because they need an act for Christmas Eve. It turns out that it is a mental hospital. And it is a great episode. On DVD, they cut out Mrs. Babish's performance, which is very sad because it was a great performance. But you get Laverne and Shirley performing, you get a great Christmas song from Lenny and Squeaky. And I know the lyrics went... I might, I might have seen it whenever I was a kid. Um, you probably have, but the lyrics on that one went... Take off your hat to a dead guy who's fat and whisper a silent ho-ho. That's how the song ended from Lenny and Squeaky. It was Christmas Eve night at the poorhouse is the was when the song took place. And it's it's very funny and it's true Lenny and Squeaky style. So and of course you get the big ragu performing in it. And so if you get the chance, I highly recommend that as a Christmas watch. Because it really was a good episode. And I know MeTV and Antenna TV have played Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, and typically when they do the Christmas episodes, that one makes it in. 
So check your local listings, see if you get the chance to watch it, because it's definitely worth the time. So, and of course, Laverne and Shirley is one of my absolute favorite sitcoms ever made. So, I could watch it again and again. I like Laverne and Shirley and uh, Mel's Diner. I love that one. So, Ding -a -ding -a Alice. Yeah, Alice. Oh, Alice, yeah. Vera. And interesting side note, one of the I think it was the absolute next that replaced Flo when she left, because there were about two or three after Flo left that took the place. Yeah. The one who played her on there was actually Flo in the movie the series was based on called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Oh, okay. So, so that was... If you get the chance, the movie's a drama, but of course the show is a sitcom. And that brings us to the end of this part of the episode. So, we'll be back. I'll be reviewing Bebo Saves Christmas, and we will both be reviewing Single All the Way from Netflix. And I'll probably talk about Hawkeye a little bit too, so stay tuned everybody. Welcome back. First up, as always, let's hit Box Office Mojo for the top 10 films of the weekend. First up, entering the countdown at number 10, first weekend release with $1,050,000, Sword Art Online Progressive Aria of a Starless Night, and I have no clue what that is. Down from 7 to 9, King Richard with Will Smith, third weekend release, just over one and a quarter million. $13,425,506 to date. Holding steady at 8 after 7 weeks. Dune with just under 2 million. 7 week total $104,609,010. Down from 6 to 7. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Just under 2 million. 4 week total $45,811,726. And that makes me think of something that I did see earlier today that I didn't mention. Paramount has now announced a 45-day window from theater to Paramount Plus. So, it looks like that's going to be the new norm. 45 days in theaters and then hitting the streaming services. HBO Max, Disney Plus, Paramount Plus, probably Peacock. So, when is uh, 007 coming to streaming? Uh, I don't remember which is it. It's Paramount, isn't it? That's Paramount. It it could be a forty five day window, but it's a different. So I don't know. Cause I'm dying to see that movie. <laughs> but down from five to six, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City, just over two and a half million two week total. Oh, just over thirteen million. Down from four to five. Definitely not holding up like the other Marvel movies. Eternals. Just over $4 million for a five-week total $156,682,168. Opening at four, Christmas with the Chosen, The Messengers. Over the weekend brought in just over four and a quarter million. The one-week total, I guess it opened on Wednesday, $9,180,000. 
holding steady at the top three don't change. House of Gucci, $7 million at second week, $33,869,862. Number two, Ghostbusters Afterlife, just over ten and a quarter million. Three week total, $102,200,045. And number one, Encanto, $13,147,618 for a two week total of $58,368,259. So, I'm kind of surprised Ghostbusters Afterlife's not doing better. Um, did you mention 007 anywhere in those? No. What is, what is the name of the newest one? It's um, No Time to Die. Oh, there it is, number 12. Down from 9 to 12, $902,228, nine week total. Of just over one hundred fifty-nine and a half million. What's the world box office? Uh, I have to click on it and find out. Grosses domestic one hundred, almost one hundred sixty million. International six hundred five million three hundred thirty-three thousand. Worldwide total of over seven hundred sixty-five million dollars. That's wow, seven hundred sixty-five million per book. That's pretty good for a 007 movie. Uh, it's definitely making the money overseas more than America. Yeah, more than America. Or it's, the it's, U.S., it's, rather. It's being, it's doing really huge numbers still, so I just wonder, I want to see that in the big screen. Go ahead, I want to keep doing that. So well, you, you can talk about it a minute. Um, uh, what is it? What's the app that I use to find that? For movies, local. God, I can't remember. Wanna go look at a movie? What is it? What's the name of that movie? What's the name of that app? Oh God. I wanna go look at movies. What is it? Fandango. No, it's um. There's an app that I use. Movie um, phone. Anyways. Well, anyways, first up, Paul could not find it on the CW on their app because they do have it hidden. The day after was when I watched it, the day after it aired, and it was right at the top of the screen, big as life. Well, they've removed it from there, and you can't find it in shows A to Z. So you have to go to latest episodes to be able to find it, which doesn't make sense because if you want people to watch your stuff, you want to be able to find it easily. So that's that's a tick against the CW's app. It's, I don't know why they did it that way, but the special was Bebo Saves Christmas. Of course, spun out of the universe of Legends of Tomorrow. On IMDb, it is sitting at 7.3 out of 10. There is no review on Rotten Tomatoes. I did look it up. And basically what this is, is a brand new animated special, and the way it's done has literally nothing to do with the CW shows of DC Universe. It's its own thing, and I think the way they intended for this to be done was they wanted a show that would be what the Legends of Tomorrow watched in their universe. So... You don't get 
the Legends of Tomorrow. In it, you get Bebo and his friends. And it's Bebo and Fleebo, and I can't remember what the other names were, but it, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It wasn't exactly what I thought it would be, but the guy who's been voicing Bebo all along on Legends of Tomorrow and the crossovers and everything, he is the voice of Bebo in this special. And it, Bebo gets a form letter from the North Pole saying his wish has been received. And he just wants to save Christmas, so he gets his friends together. They go to the North Pole, and they get there in record time, let me tell you. I don't know where they're coming from, but they even mention it in the show how quickly they get to the North Pole. And they get there. They can't get into Santa Claus's little area, so they go across the street to basically a Starbucks. I can't remember what it was named in there, but... They want to get hot chocolates, and they can't serve hot chocolates because it's not on the menu. So they tell about the alternatives to hot chocolate that they're selling, and they're made with chestnut milk. And, of course, Fleebo's the grumpy one, so he goes, Ah, oh, chestnut milk ruins everything! And Fleebo is really fun to watch. But basically, Santa Claus has been kicked out of the, the kingdom and is working at the Starbucks, and they go with Santa Claus to try and save Christmas. And that's where the story picks up, is trying to get Santa Claus back in there. And I enjoyed it. Is it the greatest Christmas special ever made? No. But it's definitely fun. You, shit, Paul's over there shaking his head like he knows anything. He doesn't know the first thing about this special. It's not. This sounds like this sucks to begin with. But anyway, Oh, it's fun. It is a fun little special, which is what it's supposed to be. And I've, I kind of expect it to be around for a few years on CW. I think they'll re-air it. Uh. Well, for one, there's not a lot that CW has original Christmas episodes as far as a special like this. And it was a it's pretty much a hit with the, the people who watched it. So, for me personally... I, I highly suggest watching it. I've watched it twice. I enjoyed it. And they do have the little nod to Legends of Tomorrow because as they're in Santa's sleigh, Bebo holds up the Legends of Tomorrow bow DVD set. So they do have that, but as far as I don't want to give too much away, so watch the special, enjoy it. Like I said, it's on the CW app under latest episodes. I'd give it three and a half out of five. I enjoyed it. Not the greatest Christmas special ever. I, far from the worst. I, like I said, I wish I could watch it. I can't. In my app, I can't find it. I'm telling you, go through latest episodes. You have to go to the end of the latest episodes. And I don't know how long it'll be in that spot. But it is on there in the latest episodes at the very end. I want to try it again. Um, CW, the CW. Yep. Here it is. It's coming up on my phone. Okay, now scroll down to where it says latest episodes. Uh, latest episodes, yeah. Now scroll all the way over. 
You got into the end yet? Uh, uh, it's... Okay, um... I don't know how you're not finding it because it's it's literally right there under the latest episodes, the very end of the list. But while you're scrolling, did you watch any more of the Flash Armageddon? The Flash Armageddon. Yep. Um, the Flash Armageddon. Remember, we reviewed the first episode, and you didn't get around to the second episode. I'm telling you. That one has picked up so much from the first episode, and the fourth episode was the biggest so far. I mean, it, they had the comics-accurate costume for one of them that has not been on there before, and the changed timeline, and you get Batwoman, you get uh, um, Alex Danvers, you get all kinds of surprises there in there. Is. Yeah, right there. Bebo I saves Christmas. For the life of me, bring bring it up for some reason. I cannot see it. Well, you have to try and watch it for next week. Okay. Um, there it is. Bebo saved Christmas. Now I can see it. Okay. But I could not for the life of me see it. But if you're not watching The Flash Armageddon, I'm telling you, it's really worth the time. Like I said, the first episode was kind of disappointing. I was expecting a lot more. But each episode has gotten better as it's gone along. And I'm really enjoying this fourth episode. So, it's also on the CW app. So while you're watching Bebo Sage Christmas, then you can go back and watch Flash Armageddon. But... So how, how far along are you on Hawkeye now? I did see, um, uh, that was on Disney, right? Yes. Let's see here, Disney Plus, and, um, I'm pretty sure I saw three of those. Okay, well I've seen all four of them that they've released so far. Yeah, I did not get to see the the, the the newest one was from last night, right? Actually yesterday it premiered. Yeah, I did not see last night's. Uh, I saw the three before then. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the I saw the three but the fourth one last night I didn't get to see it. No, because I had to work. Yeah, it's I I've enjoyed it. It's just it's not pulling me in as much. And the one thing that gets me is everybody's talking about all the great trick arrows in Hawkeye. I'm like, well, Arrow had the trick arrows too, but they didn't have the budget that the Hawkeye series has. Like, Hawkeye has Disney money. Arrow had CW money. There is Hawkeye a major difference does there. Have Disney money. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's kind of apples to oranges comparison between the two. The stories on Arrow I found more compelling. 
the action and effects on Hawkeye way are better than what Arrow could do. And again, Disney money versus CW money. Because Disney can just plunge anything they want into a project and not worry about it. But they've got some big time Disney money being pushed at it. Yep. CW, it's a network struggling to make it. But CW, honestly, as as low on the totem pole as they are, it's my favorite network on TV. I mean, they had Supernatural. And Jensen Ackles is working on a prequel to Supernatural for the CW. I saw today. I haven't seen any kind of movement on that. I haven't either, but I mean, it takes a while in the development stages. But I did see today that um, Jared or Jared Padalecki is working on a prequel to Walker. And I'm like, do we really need a prequel uh, to Walker? But. Uh. I mean, with the prequel to Supernatural, you can see more of the story of their parents and what led everything to where we ended up on the show. But Walker, I mean, I've, I don't watch Walker. I've never, I've not watched one episode. Of, I don't think I watched one episode of either series. But it just doesn't seem like it begs for a prequel series. I haven't watched any. Sorry. And, of course, CW also has Batwoman, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Superman and Lois, Supergirl that just ended, Black Lightning that ended, um, the Naomi forthcoming. So, definitely the CW's going to win. And I really wish I had the time to work in Penn and Teller Fool Us, but I've not watched any of those episodes I do love Penn and Teller, and that's a CW show. So, but where? I mean, we won't go too much into Hawkeye, but where? Where do you stand on on your rating? I'm still at a three for it. Hawkeye. I'm still at a three. Um, I went through all of them the other night. Uh. Which one was it? Which night was it that I watched them? It was Sunday. I watched all three of them on Sunday. Yeah. I just... The stories are not extremely compelling to me, which is where the, the problem comes in. It's not that it's bad, yeah. it's just not exactly what I want it to be. <clears throat> so... But I will continue to watch, and I'm still looking forward to She-Hulk, even though I'm not real thrilled about it being a comedy, and there was mention of breaking the fourth wall in it, which I'm not real big on that for She-Hulk, and so I don't know how She-Hulk's going to end up being, but the teaser trailer that was released, it's intrigued me. So we'll see where it goes. And that brings us to our final review for the week, which was the Netflix original single, All the Way. 
The tomato meter on Rotten Tomatoes has it 63%, audience score 71%, uh, IMDb has it 6.3 out of 10, and Common Sense Media has 3 out of 5. So, honestly, I expected the reviews to be a little bit better, and I will say, as far as a gay-themed Christmas movie... This is the best one I've seen since the first one I saw, which was um, Make the Yuletide Gay. And if you haven't seen Make the Yuletide Gay, it's a low-budget film that is absolutely amazing. Like, they did not need high budgets for it. The story is great. Did you ever see it? We watched it last year, didn't we? No. Because it's not streaming. It's it's streaming through Deku if you have the Deku channel on Amazon Prime. But no, we did not watch it last year. I thought we did. No. Now, Make the Yuletide Gay, it was the... The... Oh, she wasn't from Wisconsin. She was from Wisconsin. She wasn't from Minnesota. The mother... Absolutely loved her. Oh, for crying in the sink. That was one of her, her little phrases that she used. But, so if you haven't seen Make the Yuletide Gay, highly recommend it. But this is the second best gay-themed gay Christmas movie I've seen. And, of course, the cast on this one. You've got Michael Urie, who was in Ugly Betty. You've got Luke McFarlane, who was in a lot of things, but he, I most notably know him as Scotty from Brothers and Sisters. Uh, who else do we have here? The Philemon Chambers, I don't know anything that he's been in, but you got Barry Bostwick, Jennifer Robertson, who is from Schitt's Creek. She was the Jazzagal, Roland Schitt's wife, so automatically love her. Just from Schitt's Creek. And you've got Jennifer Coolidge, best known as the Bend and Snap Girl. And how can you not love Kathy and Jimmy? Why are you looking all puzzled at the Bend and Snap Girl? No, <clears throat> Luke McFarlane. Um, where do I know him from? Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. Like I said, the best thing I know him from is Brothers and Sisters. He played Rob Lowe's brother, Scotty. Uh, he's known for Over There, Brothers and Sisters, Killjoys, and Kinsey. He was in Christmas in My Heart TV movie, Chateau Christmas TV movie, A Valentine's Match TV movie, Sense Sensibility and Snowmen TV movie, A Shoe Addict's Christmas TV movie, Karen Kingsbury's Maggie's Christmas Miracle TV movie, the Night Shift TV series, he was in 10 episodes, 12 episodes of Mercy Street, The Birthday Wish, The Mistletoe Promise, Christmas Land. He was in two episodes of Supergirl, so there's a major plus for him. Uh, it had to have been Brothers and Sisters, because I oh. loved watching Brothers I loved, I loved Brothers and Sisters. Did you watch Smash? I loved that show. Do I? Did you watch Smash with Deborah Smash. Missing? 
He was in two episodes of that. Person of Interest. Uh, that's, that's the biggest stuff, but he was only in two episodes of Smash. It was the, I think it was like a musical type series, or they were putting on a musical or something. Deborah Messing was the big star in it. His, after Will and Grace, she did that one. Brothers and Sisters, I saw him in. Which, Brothers and Sisters, Sally Field, hello. You don't need another reason to watch it. I love Brothers and Sisters. It's a very good show. I've got to finish watching it sometime, but I've watched, I think, the first three seasons. I just keep forgetting to go back. It's like The Boys. I've watched the first episode of season two and keep forgetting to go back and watch it. Um... But Jennifer Robertson, if you've not seen Shit's Creek, you're really missing out. But she, of course, was Jocelyn on there. And she's great. I mean, this whole cast was really, really good. The story was really well done. And it's a, it's a twist to setting up the romance. Because, of course, Mom sets up the son with, with the lover or... With a potential lover, and because he's single every year that he comes home. I like, um, yeah, it, it's a cute movie. Jennifer Coolidge from Two Broke Girls. Well, from Legally Blonde and American Pie. Yeah, I liked her in Two Broke Girls. Too. I didn't watch Two Broke Girls, but. I don't know of anybody who doesn't know the Bend and Snap girl from Legally Blonde. Oh, uh, yeah, that was good. And <laughs> Kathy and Jimmy I've loved since the first Sister Act. Where she would have either been a nun or a stewardess. But, but that's what, that was, it was a cute movie. And it's, I enjoyed it. The love triangle in it is actually a really good story and very believable. There's, it's not like everybody's competing for each other. It's it's kind of a natural flow to the triangle that forms, and so I like that. It's a different take on the whole love triangle situation, and you don't hate anybody in the movie. Like you see everybody's point of view as to how these characters should interact. And so it's, I don't know, it's just, there's a lot of good to this one. And I did go back, because I didn't see it last year, I watched The Christmas House this year. And let me tell you, that one, don't, I mean, don't expect anything fantastic in that. And it also had a decent, decent cast, because it had Major from iZombie, and it had Treat Williams. And it just... It really was a disappointing movie. The Christmas House was completely predictable. At least with this one, they threw that love triangle in there that you don't know exactly what's going to happen until just about the time that it does. And you don't expect anything to really fall in line the way it does as you go through the film. So... I really didn't. I really didn't see 
um... I mean, the the fact that his family is so extremely supportive of him, and the way they treat him, his roommate, and the guy that his mom set him up with. And, you know, as... Without spoiling everything, there's really not much more to talk about, so you just want to go ahead and, and read it? Yeah, it was... <clears throat> I enjoyed watching it. It was a really cute mo movie. Um, it was one of those... It was in the top ten, wasn't it? Chris, was in, like, number seven yeah. on it, Netflix? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a brand new movie, so, yeah, it's, it's a brand new original on Netflix, so, of course, it's going to have that added boost, but it, it did hit the top ten at least the first week. Yeah, um, let me look at that again. Um, I'm trying to remember where, um, I, it was, it was a cute movie. Um, so, yeah, it is, um, is it still in the top ten? No, it ain't even in the top ten anymore. No, it's kind of dropped out. But anyway, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I don't go for very um, gay movies a lot, but thank you for making me watch that because it was cute. <laughs> well, it, was, it was basically the cast more than the story that I wanted to watch it for. Cause, and I mean, Michael Yuri, outside of Ugly Betty, he was also in a movie called WTC View. Which was, if I remember correctly, he played a gay man and he was renting out or subletting his apartment or trying to get a new roommate or something. And the view from the window used to be the World Trade Center. And that's what the story really was. And it was a really good movie. It, was, it could have been done as a one-act stage play, but it was a really good story. And he drove the story through the whole thing. So he watching that movie, you see that he is definitely an accomplished actor. Ugly Betty, he was kind of outlandish and kind of mean, but you had to love him on that show too, just because of who he was. And as the character uh, progressed through the series. So... You know, I, you know, I didn't watch any of Ugly Betty. Oh, you gotta watch it. It's on my voodoo. You can watch it anytime. Is it really? Yeah. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I know it was a good show. I don't. I don't. I don't. I didn't watch any of it. But anyways, just spoiler alert. I think it's the fourth season. There's a Madonna episode. Really? Really. <sighs> okay. Cool. Actual Madonna music used in the show. Madonna doesn't appear, but it is a Madonna episode. Okay, cool. Um, okay, the rating, I'm gonna... It was cute. A little tear-jerky, maybe. Just a little bit. Um, I'm gonna give it a 2.5. It's good. It's cute. You are going so low on this. Like... It was cute. It, I mean, I was basically made to watch it. But... It was cute. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I don't go for gay movies because gay movies are so campy and they usually are like B movies. This is above a B movie for me. I, I don't know. Have you ever could seen it, another gay movie? Could it have been a? 
Could it have been at the? Could this have been a success at the box office? No, there's I no way. I think it could have. It it has potential. It for for what it cost to make it, I think they would have easily made their money back. What what was the budget on this? I don't Did know if it, it says because it's a Netflix original. It's clearly not a huge budget. I mean, none of the actors demand top dollar. And I don't see anything on IMDb's page about it. And I don't think, I don't know if Rotten Tomatoes even lists a budget on their page. I'll just be really curious. Yeah, there's no budget on either one of the pages, so I don't know. I'm just going to Google it right quick, but okay. go ahead with your rating. But yeah, the cast, even though they're not demanding high dollar, love so many of them. And, I mean, you've got Stifler's mom and the Dead and Snap lady and Jennifer Coolidge, as I said, Kathy and Jimmy, who's Bobby Hill's mother on Cane of the Hill. She was the... The really happy nun in Sister Act. She was in Hocus Pocus. I mean, she's just such a phenomenal presence on the screen. Um, like I said, the the whole love triangle. It's also this is a Christmas movie that is not as schlocky and pathetic as so many of the Christmas movies are. You didn't say schlocky. Yes, I did. What kind of word is that? It's a word. But did you just make that word up? Is that no. real? If I played that on words with friends, would that really use the word? S-C-H-L-O-C-K. There's a film by that name. Dictionary. I schlock. Literally, informal. Literally cannot. Nowhere is there a budget listed anywhere. I, I figured as much because it's a Netflix film and they keep their information kind of tight. But the <laughs> definition for schlock, cheap or inferior goods or material... Trash. So, yes, okay. I used it appropriately. Thank you very much. Thinking okay, you got I something on me and you okay. don't. All right. Let's, let's, but, let's do this. But this one, the, the story is believable. It's engaging. And, like I said, you don't hate anybody in this. Except for maybe the guy he's seeing at the beginning. And there's a reason for that. But... All the characters, all the cast, you root for everybody in this one. You don't want to see anybody hurt of these characters. And to me, it's so much better than so many of the Christmas movies out there. Like, especially the TV movies. Like, I'm not talking like Muppet's Christmas Carol, because that is the epitome of, of Christmas movies in my book. But It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. I mean, it's not going to be that level Christmas movie. But for a TV film, this was really, really good. And I'm giving it three and a half out of five because I really liked it. Really? Like oh I said, God, that's... I I don't think it's the best gay Christmas movie because that would be Make the Yule Tide Gay, which is absolutely fantastic. Like, I highly, highly recommend watching that one. I even bought the books Make the Yule Tide Gay and Make the Yule Tide Gay 2 so I can actually read the stories. Because there's apparently a sequel to Make the Yuletide Gay, and I can't find it anywhere. No DVD, no stream, no nothing. But I can find a cast list of three people in it. So, I don't know what's going on with it. But, That's because it's gay. So, do you want to do Being the Ricardos next week? 
because it premieres tomorrow, being the Ricardos. Do you want to do that next um, week? Is that Christmas? No, it's the uh, Nicole I Kidman as Lucille Ball. Christmas movies this month. I thought we were just doing Christmas Well, movies. yes and no, because this is a brand new release on Amazon Prime. It premieres uh, tomorrow. Sure, it's Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. Have you not heard anything about it? You need to get out more. <coughs> Let me pull it up. I'll look it up on my phone. What's it called again? It's already 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, 56% on Metacritic, and 5 out of 10 on Joe Blow. Being How? the Ricardos. Because it's not even came out yet. Critics get to see it before the, the vast public. Oh, what's the name of this again? Being the Ricardos. It's Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball. Well, Javier Bardem plays Desi Arnaz. Uh, Nina Arianda is Vivian Vance. J.K. Simmons is William Frawley. Uh, the other characters, I don't really know who they were on the show. I guess it's people behind the scenes because Bob Carroll Jr., Howard Winky, Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Pugh, I think most of those were behind the scenes act or like producers and such. So, Is this going to be like some kind of show telling them how kind of... It's a docudrama. Know, miserable they were. It's a docudrama. It's being the Ricardos pressure on Lucy and Desi. Okay. And, I mean, looking at this cast, besides the ones I mentioned, Linda Lavin is in it, Robert Pine, the father of Chris Pine, who was the, the captain on Chips, Tony Hill, Clark Gregg, so it's got a pretty strong cast to it. So, we'll review that one and talk about it next Ooh. week. And for those who don't know the name Clark Gregg, if you know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Avengers, he was Agent Coulson. Tony Hale, of yeah. course, was on um, Brian, Arrested Development. Brian Howe's another good one. I'm not seeing him. you got to keep on spinning. Uh, I'm, I'm on Google, and it doesn't have him on there. Oh, on IMDb, he's on IMDb. IMDb so. Database, not base data. But Linda Lavin, of course, she's in it, and she was Alice. We talked about Alice earlier. So Okay. So that'll be you know, whatever you decide to watch. If you want to pick a Christmas movie to offset this one. I just thought this one would be a good one since it's a brand new film. No, I've already watched a Christmas show, and it's, like, really cute. It's kind of glee. I see that look on your face. You'll hate it. I'm not going to make you watch it, so. Well, you know I'm not going to watch Mariah Carey. I mean, no, this is Glee. It was kind of Glee. Have you ever heard of um, the show... Um, let's see here. Let me get to where I need to be. That's on the Roku thing. I already got out the Roku channel app, you idiot. Is it that Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas or whatever? 
Yeah, I never watched Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, so I have no desire to watch it. Yeah, I love it. It's so cute. So we won't watch it though. And I'll get I'll get a fan based movie off of YouTube. No. <laughs> we did we did watch the RuPaul the Bitch Who Stole Christmas and I gave up on that one real quick, let me tell you. It was on VH1. It was really bad. Like, even... Was they, it just a battle of drag queens or something? No, it's... Oh, it's just terrible. Drag queens are actually women in the town, from what I could gather of what I watched of it. And... They had snow falling, but it was very clearly digital snow. I'm like... At oh. least have fake snow falling that they've had for like a century in films. Like, just white stuff falling down from the sky. Make it legitimate. Because the snowflakes never land on anything, it's just falling. That reminds me. <laughs> when they was filming Home Alone, a lot of the snow at the very beginning of the movie was fake. And it's all biodegradable stuff that would, that would disintegrate. But towards the end of the movie, they kind of walked with a real snowstorm. And it's like got all the new, the crew back down there to, to finish up the film with it. And I thought that was pretty neat. Oh, we can talk about that one next week, The Home Sweet Home Alone, because I did watch it because you had said you wanted to. I forgot all about it until just now. Yeah, let's do uh, the new, you talking about the new Home Alone? Yeah. Yeah, let's watch the new Home Alone. Well, we'll do that for next week. We'll do Be in the Ricardos, and if there's something else, since I think you've already watched Home Sweet Home Alone, I've already watched it, so it'll give us a little bit extra time. But okay. So if you, if there's something else you want to watch, we will. If not, we'll do those two. Okay, sounds good. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.